Hi everyone, welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey, and I am so excited to be sharing the Word of God together today. If you'd like to catch past episodes, you can check them out on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And um, we are going to get right into the Word of God together. So if you will take a moment, find a place to bow your heart uh, and, and just focus on Jesus with me as we go before the Lord in prayer, and then we will get right into Scripture together. Let's pray. God, we come before you humbly, God, knowing who you are, the God of all nations, the God who sits on the throne, the God who has perfect wisdom and knowledge, the God who created all things. God, we come before you and we bow our hearts. We bow our lives before you. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, your children, that you would speak to us through the Bible. You would speak to us through the Gospels today, God. Lord, I ask that you would help us to hear from you, God, for something to resonate resonate deep inside of us. God, that we would come to know you in a deeper way, have a deeper understanding. God, you hold all the wisdom. God, you hold all the understanding. And so we come to you because, God, you you, you tell us that if any of us lacks wisdom, that we can ask you and that you'll give generously to each and every one of us. So we come before you, God, asking that you you would implant wisdom, that you would implant understanding into us, your children, that we could bring glory and honor to your name. God, be with us in this time together, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk today about the strength of believers in Jesus. The strength that we have by having an association with Jesus. The strength that we have by having wisdom that comes from Jesus. The strength that we have by being found in our Savior. And so we're going to look today at John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, if you have your Bible turned there, we're going to be uh, focusing in on on verses 1 uh, through uh, 25 today. And this is the the account of the death of Lazarus. And before we dive deep into this, we got to look at it and we see that there's uh, a... a group of siblings. We've got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and the three were very close to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus loved them, and they had had lots of interactions. They had followed Jesus. They had sat at, each of them had sat under the teaching of Jesus, and at this particular moment in the gospel message here, uh, Jesus had been threatened when he was in Judea. They tried to kill him and he had left. And when he had gone, some time passed and we come to verse one. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So in that scripture, if you remember that account of of Mary pouring the perfume on Jesus's feet, and, and washing it with her hair. Everybody else was like, how would you let this woman do this to you? How would you let this? Uh, and they were referring to her as a, a, a scandalous woman. How would you let her do this to you? And the Bible teaches us that she was preparing him for his burial. She was preparing Jesus um, prophetically for him dying. Did Mary know that Jesus was going to die? Yes. 
God had, through Jesus, revealed this to Mary. He has told her this uh, truth, told her this was going to happen. He told her, he told the disciples. He had given this message to them, but Mary, taking it to heart, prepares him for burial by pouring this perfume on him. And so that's what that's in reference to. Now we pick back up in verse 3. It says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. All right. We have all prayed this same exact prayer. Lord, there's someone in my life that I know you care about that's sick. We have all brought someone before the Lord before and said, God, look, someone you love is sick. Will you heal them? Will you help them? I trust in you. And uh, this is exactly what they did. They sent word to Jesus. When we send word to Jesus, when we uh, come before the throne of God and ask for healing, we, like Mary and Martha, are expecting an answer. We're expecting God to hear us. I love in Psalms how David is continually says, God, when I cry to you, I know that you hear me. God, when I uh, lift up my voice, I know that you respond. And, and they're in that same strength, reaching out to the Lord. Now, Jesus, physically on earth, they're re- sending word to him that Lazarus is sick. And in verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. The wisdom that God has is complete. The wisdom that we have is in part. There is no way that any of us have the wisdom that God has in its completeness. God's wisdom is so far above us, we can't even measure the amount of wisdom God has because it is so complete and so above us. And in his wisdom, Jesus says that He is not gonna, this is not going to end in death, but it will be to glorify God and to show that Jesus really is God, that Jesus really is the Son of God. Now we see in the story that Lazarus dies. We see in this story that uh, what Jesus said would happen didn't happen the way that we would suspect that it would happen. Is this not true of so many situations in our lives? God, I ask you for this and I'm expecting you to do things that I understand. But God does things with complete wisdom. So when we bring something before God, we have to trust his knowledge. We have to trust his wisdom. We have to trust his master plan. And in this, too, he had a master plan. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. This answer didn't come immediately. There are some of you right now that are waiting for Jesus to show up in your situation. You're waiting for Jesus to arrive. You've asked him. You've trusted in him. You've entrusted to Jesus, asking him for the answer, and you're waiting. And this is where Mary and Martha also found themselves. But this was part of God's plan. Do you see that it was part of God's plan that they wait for these few days? And in that waiting, Lazarus dies. In that waiting, the worst possible outcome in their minds happened. But friends, it wasn't the worst possible outcome in Jesus's plan. It was the best possible outcome in Jesus's plan. And so in verse 7, he says, Jesus is saying, and then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, Judea is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are. Judea is where they had tried to kill Jesus. And he's saying, let's return to the very place where if I step foot, they're going to be after my head. They're going to try to kill me. Verse 8, but Rabbi, 
But teacher, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back? Because God's wisdom is complete, because God's wisdom is above ours, because he knew what must happen, he's fulfilling the plan that's already in place. And in our lives too, we have to fulfill the plan that God has for us. It may not make perfect sense in our minds, but it makes sense in God's mind who is above us. And in verse 9 it says, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is a person who walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our dear friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. We see this so many times with the disciples and because we have the full story, we're like, how could you not see this? How could you not know that Jesus was going to die and rise again? How could you not know when he's referring to bread, he's talking about himself and not real bread? How could you not know that when he's talking about this with Lazarus? It's because we know the full story and in the moment they have to find the ability to trust God. And so um, verse 14, he says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that, okay, let's stop right there. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that it happened. In our lives, we want things to happen our way. Even though we trust the wisdom of God so many times, we want things to turn out our way. And Jesus is is showing the disciples here that there was a plan in this situation. If they would just wait, if they would just trust, if they would just uh, go in closer to Jesus. And he says, I'm glad that I was not there so that... So that, there's a plan, so that you may believe, but let let us go to him. And now here's the verse that I want to concentrate in on is, this is verse 16, John 11, 16. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means the twin, then Thomas the twin said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. In this moment, the disciples knew that if they went in their knowledge and in their wisdom, in their understanding of the world, uh, the understanding of their culture, the understanding of the way things work, they knew that if they went to Judea, they would probably all die. Not only would Jesus be killed, but they would all die. And so the fact that Jesus is saying, let's go back to this place, means certain death. And Thomas stands up. And he says, even if I die, I'm going with Jesus. Even if I die, if he says go, I'm going to go. And that's the attitude. That's the understanding. That's the the solid ground that I want to stand on. God, if you say to do it, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go. Even unto death. Even if I don't understand it. Even if all signs point the other direction. God, if I know you said it, I'm going to follow you. And here they have a very clear the directive from Jesus that he is going, he's saying to them, let's go to Judea. And and Thomas stands up and says, guys, let's go. I'm going to go. And I probably am going to die. And I'm, I'm probably going to have to go and see Lazarus, who's already dead. I'm probably going to give my life to follow Jesus. And I don't understand. I'm probably going to give my life to follow Jesus. And I don't understand. But God knew. And he says, follow me. And God says to us today in this moment, on this day, he says, you may not understand, but follow me. You may not have all the wisdom and knowledge that I have as the creator of the universe, but follow me. 
Then Thomas, also known as the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Who are we trusting in? Are we trusting in our own understanding? In your own understanding, you would not have followed Jesus into Judea. In your own understanding, you would realize that Lazarus was dead and there was nothing else to be done. In your own understanding, this is a case-closed situation. What in your life is God speaking to you? What in your life is that moment where you're going to say, God, I heard you say this. I know that I know that you've called me to this. I'm going to do it. Even if it means the death of my pride. Even if it means that other people won't understand. Even if it doesn't fit in my paradigm of understanding. God, if you said it, I'm going to do it. God, I submit myself to you. God, I obey what you say, no matter what it is. And so uh, if we could also say the same thing, then Jill Pelkey in Clinton, New York said to everybody else, I'm going to go with Jesus even if I die, even if I lose myself, even if I lose my life, I'm going with Jesus. And the story goes on to a good ending. But at that moment, at that pivot point, at that crossroads, they didn't have the rest of that story. And if you right now are at that crossroads and you don't have the rest of the story, then I'm going to implore you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to tell you to look back at scriptures and say it always is the right choice to obey God. It's always the right choice to dive in with Jesus because when he says something, his words are purified like gold. They are not just words like we would say, but they are words that are truth that are everlasting and if God says it then you can take it to the bank if God says it then it's true I love in Psalms I'm going to read a couple of parts in Psalms and I'm going to skip all over I'll try to give you references but in Psalms it says in Psalm 16 it says those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. Sometimes that other God is ourselves. Sometimes we make a God out of our own understanding. Sometimes we make a God out of our own theology that we've invented. But those that run after those other gods and those other people will uh, suffer more and more. But if you run after the one true God, if you listen and actually go, actually take the step to do the thing that God's called you to do, man, you're going to see something that's a miracle, something that's amazing. In Psalm 17, It says, my steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. And and, uh, later on in Psalm 17, 14, it says, by your hand, save me from such people, from those in this world whose reward is in this life. Our reward is not in our fame. It's not in our, uh, our, our popularity. Our fame is not how many people are sitting listening to us preach. Our fame is found in doing the work that God has called us to do. He's created us. Ephesians uh, says that we are his masterpiece created to do good works. We are his handiwork created on purpose to accomplish things. And you are his handiwork. And he has a a plan and a purpose for you. If you will step into it, your reward will not be in this life and your reward will be in the next life. There's a couple other pieces in Psalms here. Psalm 25, 15, it says, my eyes are ever on the Lord. 
Not on the things going on in the news. Not on the things that are going on in the relationships of the people that I'm, I'm placed with. But my eyes are always on the Lord. And if our eyes are on the Lord, we have an understanding, a wisdom that's supernatural. My eyes are always on the Lord. For only He will release my feet from the snare. It's, we can't buy our way out of a snare. We can't uh, be tricky enough or, or wise enough to get ourselves out. But it's the Lord. When we keep our eyes on the Lord, when we concentrate on the Lord, He's the one that directs our path. In Psalm 27, 8, it says, My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. I love this. My heart says, my heart yearns for the wisdom of the Lord, for the courts of the Lord, to hear his voice and to obey it. And Psalm 31, verse 8, it says, You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but you have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years of groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak because all my enemies... I, I am the utter contempt of my neighbor and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I was dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me. From the hands of my enemy, from those who pursue me, let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. In the midst of, of David in this psalm, and that's Psalm 31, if you want to reference back to it, that even in the midst of great anguish, even in the midst of the darkest hour, I still put my hope in the Lord. And going back to John eleven sixteen, it says, Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go with him, and we'll die too. We're going to follow the wisdom of Christ. And here's the outcome of Thomas. Here's the outcome of following the wisdom of Christ. We're in uh, John eleven seventeen. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Why did Mary stay home? Because of the deep sorrow and Jesus, her Lord, Jesus, who she had poured her expensive perfume on. It seemed as though he hadn't come in time. It seemed as though he had failed her. But we serve a God that cannot fail. We serve a God that cannot lie. We serve a God that doesn't change like shifting shadows. We serve a God that's not a man, but a supernatural spirit that rules and reigns. And, and he does not fail us. And so Mary had felt as though Jesus had failed her. And so she stayed home while Martha goes out to meet him. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And here we see the faith of Martha. We see the rising faith of Martha saying that, God, even now I will trust you. This didn't go as I planned it, but I still trust God. Will you say that over your life right now? This hasn't gone as I would have done it, but I still trust God. I'm going to say that again. My life has not gone as I wanted it to. This situation may not have gone, has, have gone as I wanted it to, but I will still trust God. God, you are still powerful enough to move mountains, to change situations. And so here we pick up in verse 23. It says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know. He will rise again on the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And the account finishes out as Jesus calls forth Lazarus from the dead, and he comes to life from death to life. And I believe that today God calls sinners. God calls people. God calls even us as believers from death to life in situations where things seem like they're over. God can say to them, live. Just like in the valley of of dry bones when uh, the prophet cries out, live, and the bones come to life. Jesus can call anything to life. There's no, uh, it's over. It may be over in our understanding, but in God's understanding, he has the final word and the final say, and he is the resurrection and the life. I hope that today you will take up the mantra of Thomas. God, I'm going with you. God, I'm listening to you. Even if I die, I don't care what happens. God, I'm going. I want to be like Thomas in that respect. I want to be like Thomas that says, God, when you speak it, even though all signs in my culture, all signs in my experience, all signs in my understanding say, no, if you said it, God, I'm going to follow. If you said it, God, I'm going to trust your plan. Can we trust God's plan over our lives? Can we trust that he really is a God who is above all things? He is above all nations, all rulers, all relationships, all finances, all situations. Yes, he is. He is over all those things. Let's be like Thomas. We're going to follow Jesus no matter what. Let's uh, join our hearts in prayer as we close here today. God, I thank you for the example of Thomas in your word. God, I thank you for the example of Mary and of Martha in your word. God, I thank you for the example that you gave us through Jesus in your word. God, I thank you for the truth that you are above all things and all situations. God, I thank you that you have the power to raise even the dead. God, I thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. God, I thank you that in you we can have life and have it abundantly. Lord, I pray that our hearts would beat like David's and that we would want to seek your face, that we would seek your will and your understanding for our lives, that we would zero in on you knowing that if we listen to you, if we follow the path that you have for us, that we will see victory in you. Maybe not how we would define it. Maybe not how we would craft it. But God, your ways are higher than ours. Your understanding is higher than ours. So once again, God, we surrender our lives to you. Once again, we come under the the uh, will and the way of you, God, our Father. And we choose to follow you. God, I pray that you would speak so clearly to us, your children. Lord, I pray that you would unstop our ears. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the things 
that you have spoken, the things that we have not done yet, I pray that we would go back and we would do them. Lord, whatever it is that you've called us to do, help us to do it with our whole hearts. Help us to do it without fear. Help us to do it uh, out of our love and our surrender for you. God, I thank you for the ways that you're moving in our lives. We want to glorify you, and we thank you for your voice. We thank you for your word in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen.